So we've been building, and maybe you've kind of noticed that as we're going through, we kind of hit on other questions as we focus on, like, why do we exist? Why is life so hard? And today, the question of why doesn't God stop the pain? If there is a deity, if there is a God, and there is pain in this world, and what God created was good, why doesn't God stop the pain, stop the suffering? It's a pretty important question and we ask it in several ways because sometimes we ask it in why did God allow or we ask it in is God punishing us or we ask it in the sense of why do bad things keep happening? We've often heard that saying, right? Why do bad things happen to good people? And so we are asking around this question, if God is good, if God create, what God created is good, then why is there this pain? Why is life so hard and why doesn't God stop it? And in some ways it feels almost unanswerable, but in other ways, as we dig into scripture, we, get, we start to get all these like little pieces trying to give us a sense of where to go. And we're going to look at a few things today. We're going to look at Isaiah 55. And Isaiah 55 is during the period of exile. It's almost the end of exile in Babylon. And those taken into exile were really the upper echelon of Israel. And they are taken with the Babylonian invasion. And then about 50 years later, they are going to get to come home when Babylon is overthrown by King Cyrus of Persia. And so we're going to look at that because there is that angst, right? They didn't ask, they didn't want exile. They recognize maybe they didn't do some things they should have done. And they want their circumstances to change, right? That's also part of this question. Why doesn't God stop the pain? Because we want our circumstances to change. We do not like where we find ourselves. We're also going to take a little bit out of Genesis, looking around the flood. And then we're going to look at a little bit of the Psalms and a little bit of Romans to kind of help us in this digging into exploring this particular question. So we are going to begin in Isaiah 55, verses 6 through 7. Seek the Lord when he can still be found. Call him while he is yet near. Let the wicked abandon their ways and the sinful their schemes. Let them return to the Lord so that he may have mercy on them to our God because he is generous with forgiveness. Genesis 8, 21b through verse 22 the Lord thought to himself, I will not curse the fertile land anymore because of human beings, since the ideas of the human mind are evil from their youth. I will never again destroy every living thing as I have done as long as the earth exists, seed time and harvest, cold and hot, summer and autumn, day and night will not cease. All right. So the first thing to kind of notice as to where these both are connected is that something has happened that something has happened, that humans have made decisions. And as we know, that with every decision, every action, there is always a consequence, whether that consequence is good, bad, or indifferent, and everything around that, right? And so here we get both the sense 
of Isaiah. Let the wicked abandon their ways and the sinful their schemes. That there are consequences. There's always a chance to change. That, but there are consequences in living that way. And we see that with Genesis 8. Genesis 8 is trying to give a sense. It said that humans, right? <laughs> human beings, since the ideas of human minds are evil from their youth. All right, so it's like this sense that, you know what? Humans make really bad decisions. <laughs> and we know that, right? We know that we can at times make some pretty cruel decisions. We can make some pretty devastating decisions. And the way the Noah story gets told with the flood story, the flood story gets told like the world has ended up, it's like a rave slash Woodstock mixed with the mafia or something. Like it's like out of control kind of sense, partying and corruption. And so the flood story is that there's a consequence for that. Now, archaeological studies show that probably the flood that produces all these flood stories happened in the Black Sea region, and that that flood covered a massive amount provoked by an earthquake. And so the people are trying to figure out what in the world happened, why such devastation and destruction. And so then they begin to look at themselves like, well, wait a minute, did I cause this? Did our, because we weren't living right, and so God is kind of angry with us. And we could get stuck on that in the stories where, well, God is angry, so. But the point of the stories is actually about mercy and forgiveness. And we see it even in the Isaiah passage. Let them return to the Lord so that he may have mercy on them. To our God because he is generous with forgiveness. And even the flood story. I will never again destroy every living thing as I have done as long as the earth exists. Seed time and harvest, cold and hot, summer and autumn, day and night will not cease. This sense of mercy continuing to flow forth even when there are consequences because of decisions we've made. That there is opportunity, there is chance to turn, to turn from a path that maybe we recognize. We go, wow, that is some destructive things. That is not healthy. That is not helping for myself to live well. So I need to turn and go towards. And God's mercy and forgiveness is ever present, inviting us into that. And so the stories are really about that forgiveness, that mercy, that building up, that creating something new. Seed time and harvest, cold and hot, no matter the situation, that God's presence of love and mercy will be there. Continuing on in Isaiah 55, 8 through 9. My plans aren't your plans, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. Just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my plans than your plans. Romans 8.35 Who will separate us from Christ's love? Will we be separated by trouble or distress or harassment or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? My plans are not your plans. So to think about that, right? Because usually we're asking this about where God is. Why won't God stop? Is God going to do anything when we don't like our circumstances? It's not, you, it's not when we're like having a good time or we're like, man, I am full of joy. Let's celebrate. Instead, we are asking this question of where is God and what's God going to do when we don't like where we find ourselves, 
where we don't like the position that we're in. We don't like the circumstances that surround us. And here God goes, and my plans are not your plans. And it's like, well, okay, God, is that like a cop out? Like if it doesn't go my way, well, it must have not have been God's plan. But actually we get something different when we look at it with Romans 8. 35, who will separate us from Christ's love? Will we be separated by trouble or distress or harassment or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? So a recognition that these things happen in life and yet nothing can separate us from Christ's love. Christ being Emmanuel, God with us. So nothing can separate us from God's love. And so then when we are thinking about plans and my ways aren't your ways, that it it begins to shift us away from going, well, wait a minute, I want the magic wand. I need the genie in the bottle. I want the easy kind of button. And instead to focus upon, wait a minute, where is God's love in this moment? Where is God leading us in this moment? Where is God's wisdom in what we are experiencing? That God's answer to the pain of this world, to the devastation, to the difficulties, to the destruction is really this sense of love. And you're like, man, you talk about love all the time. That's because it's so, so very vital in the underpinning of the entire biblical narrative. And the way that it gets played out is in all kinds of different situations. And here to realize that we find ourselves experience suffering, experiencing pain, experiencing the difficulties, or we see others having it. That it's not about, well, why didn't God stop it? Or why doesn't God do something? But instead, the question is more about where is the love coming in? Where is the love coming into this situation to bring us through it? not to stop the pain, but to bring us through the pain. That the biblical narrative, as we begin to look at it, is about bringing us through the situations of life, through the difficulties, through the events that happen, whether we like them or not, through. Because there's this thing, right, If God were just a genie, if God were just here to kind of grant our wishes, we'd end up with a huge problem. There was this great movie back a few years ago where that happened, where everybody's wish got granted, and then total chaos ensued because it was the realization that my wish may be counter to your wish, and so things begin to crumble and fall apart. Here we're getting this beginning, this sense of God moving us through. Moving us through with love. Continuing on in the verses 10 through 11 of chapter 55 of Isaiah. Just as the rain and the snow come down from the sky and don't return there without watering the earth, making it conceive and yield plants and providing seeds to the sower and food to the eater. So is my word that comes from my mouth. It does not return to me empty. Instead, it does what I want and accomplishes what I intend. Psalm 119, 49 through 52. 
Remember your promise to your servant, for which you made me wait. My comfort during my suffering is this. Your word gives me new life. The arrogant make fun of me to no end, but I haven't deviated from your instruction. When I remember your ancient rules, I'm comforted, Lord. So that first part there of Isaiah, like as we're moving through, how do we begin to think about moving through? And the biblical text is full of agricultural metaphors. And that's really kind of important because the majority of the time period this is being written over like 800 years, that it is an agricultural society. And so there's this sense of using the the agriculture to help us kind of get into, okay, so if God is helping us move through the pain, what does that begin to look like? It's not necessarily that I want a particular thing and I'm going to get it, but instead, how do we move through it? And where it says, just as the rain and the snow come down from the sky and don't return there without watering the earth. Okay, so rain and snow come down, whether we like rain or snow. I particularly like both rain and snow. I'm not crazy about ice, but rain and snow, right? And that they both give life to the earth. And we know that both rain and snow can be destructive. We can also know that when we don't have rain, there is a different kind of destruction. And so here, the metaphor of the rain and the snow come to water the earth and do not return without giving life this sense that with whatever we experience in life, with whatever kind of circumstance we find ourselves, whether we caused it or not, that where are we getting a sense of life out of it? Where are we being propelled forward? Where are we getting a sense of thriving out of it? That it does not return empty. What have we learned from the circumstance that not only gives ourselves life, but life to others? Making it conceive and yield plants and providing seeds to the sower and food to the eater. How is what we experience, our circumstances, actually fueling us, changing even our direction, helping us to live life a little better, helping us to grow in new ways? And then so is my word that comes from my mouth. It does not return to me empty. So that instruction, that wisdom, these stories that we have in the text that give us all kinds of things about, okay, what does it mean to live in this world? What does it mean to experience God? What does it mean? Why do we exist? All of those things, we've got these stories to learn from, to gain wisdom from, to help us navigate when we feel like the rain or the snow is piling on And we're like, okay, where is it giving life? What's kind of happening? Instead, it does what I want and accomplishes what I intend. To recognize that in every pain, in every struggle, in every difficulty, God is trying to bring life out of it. God is trying to help us navigate and focus in new ways. That God didn't cause those circumstances. Generally, we have caused those circumstances ourselves, or others have caused it for us. But instead, where is God bringing life and goodness out of those moments? Because the psalmist, right, my comfort during my suffering is this. Your word gives me new life. 
the arrogant make fun of me to no end, but I haven't deviated from your instruction. When I remember your rules, I'm comforted, Lord. And we may begin to go, okay, so what kind of are those rules? What kind of are those things that God gives us? You know, as we comb through the text, we often find God is giving mercy and grace and forgiveness, is giving love, is trying to strengthen, is trying to help the most vulnerable, is trying to help those of us who maybe are a little more comfortable to begin to shift and change and to be able to stand against the injustices of the world, to stand against the hatred of this world. That throughout the stories, we get a sense of what we need to focus on what we need to focus on is a God of love and not focus upon things like success, wealth, power, vanity, selfishness, right? It's a sense of the text keeps refocusing us with different sayings, whether that's like little bits and nuggets out of Proverbs or Ecclesiastes or with stories that are complex that are like, man, this is life. Here's where we've screwed up, and yet here's where God is taking us. And so we are taken in new directions if we are willing to listen, if we're willing to be guided, if we're willing to shift and move. Continuing on in verse 12 of chapter 55. Yes, you will go out with celebration and you will be brought back in peace. Even the mountains and the hills will burst into song before you. All the trees of the field will clap their hands. Romans 8, 38 and 39. I'm convinced that nothing can separate us from God's love in Christ Jesus our Lord. Not death or life, not angels or rulers, not present things or future things, not powers or height or depth or anything that is created. Love that passage. Love that passage. And here, Isaiah, right? It's like, okay, if we're wanting to celebrate, it means we have to figure out how to go through the pain, how to go through the difficulties, how to go through life in such a way that we're listening and learning and we're, we're being guided by, and yeah, we're going to screw it up sometimes, but there's always a sense that mercy and forgiveness are right there to bring us into new dimensions. And then Paul, giving us in Romans 8, nothing. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. And that even at our lowest moments, even when we're like, we're beginning to question, like the situation I find myself in, is this like a punishment? Often the Israelites ask that. Is this like some kind of test? Also, the Israelites often ask that. Is this kind of, what's, what in the world's going on? Why is this so hard? Why is this so difficult in this moment? And here Romans calls us back and goes, nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing can separate us. And so that when we're feeling that distance, like the Israelites often did, like the Israelites often struggled with, when things weren't going the way they wanted them to, God keeps calling back to them and saying, follow me through, follow me through this time because nothing can separate you from my love. And so to think about that for ourselves with whatever's happening in our lives, with whatever we're seeing out around us, 
that how closely are we paying attention to the pain and how closely are we paying attention to nothing can separate us from the love of God? Where is God leading us to next? How is this situation? Where is the life out of this situation bubbling up? Where is something new? Where is the good? Where is the beauty? Where is the opportunity to live into new ways? To not only help us to grow, but help others as well. Finishing up in Isaiah 55, 13. In place of the thorn, the cypress will grow. In place of the nettle, the myrtle will grow. This will attest to the Lord's stature and enduring reminder that won't be removed. Psalm 119, 86 through 88. All your commandments are true, but people harass me for no reason. Help me, they've almost wiped me off the face of the earth. Meanwhile, I haven't abandoned your precepts. Make me live again according to your faithful love so I can keep the law you've given. Again, more of that agricultural imagery. In place of the thorn, the painful, the sticky, the ouch, the cypress will grow. Life-giving shade, beauty. In place of the nettle, hard, the myrtle, flourishing, fragrant, wonderful, will grow. This will attest to the Lord's stature, an enduring reminder that won't be removed. So that sense of what God is bringing out of, where God is guiding, how God is guiding us through, and like I mentioned, you know, we could start combing the text and we would find that God doesn't exactly stop the pain, right? There are circumstances, there are consequences in those circumstances, but God's continuously raising up people to help others through. So Moses, which we're going to talk about a little more next week with the, with the, the whole like, who is God, right? God goes to Moses says, Moses, go get my people. Moses is given the strength to face Pharaoh and to lead the people into a new realm of living. That Moses helps bring the people. We see it with the story of Joseph, where Joseph listens from a dream. He listens and then he strategizes how to keep the people alive during the famine. We hear it, experience it with Ruth. Everyday kind of person who's an immigrant who comes with her mother-in-law to Bethlehem who has to prove and show to the people around her that she is just as good as they are. Her struggles, and yet she lives into that love in such a way that she ends up her life, she becomes the great-grandmother to a king and is in the lineage of Jesus, or Esther, a queen born for such a time as she was, where she's able to convince the king to spare the lives of the Jews because they have worth as humans. 
because there is good here. She's able to refocus the king. And so we see throughout the text, throughout the characters in the Bible, we get this sense of how God is working through individuals and in communities, bringing about the good in very painful situations, in consequences that we don't like experiencing, and God is leading them through. God is giving the abilities to lead through, even when maybe the individual doesn't want to. Jonah's a great example of that. He begrudgingly does what God asks. I mean, Right, there's this whole thing where he doesn't, and then he does, and, and he doesn't, and then finally he does, and he's, he complains about the whole thing, and he really doesn't like doing what God has asked him to do, and it saves a city. And so to realize that God works in very different ways than what we do, because God is constantly bringing life out of the situation. God is trying to constantly bring good, and God is calling to us and helping us to raise up so that we might live in ways, make me live again according to your faithful love so I can keep the law you've given. Those laws that really focus upon how we are living into our relationships, how we are helping one another, how we are being that healing presence, right? We can go to the teachings of Jesus and see, okay, here's what we're supposed to be doing. And Jesus is just bringing forward many of the things out of Hebrew scripture, but pointing them out in a different way. And so that sense of how are we living through? Are we living through with God guiding us or are we living through in the pits of despair and we just want a magic wand to make it go away? So for us today, as we're trying to look at this question of, okay, if, if God does exist, if God really created everything good, if God is really present in our lives, what does that mean when we are experiencing the pain, the suffering, the challenging, the hardship, the devastation? How are we allowing ourselves to question how God is leading us through, guiding us, giving wisdom for getting through this life in such a way that it cultivates goodness. It cultivates mercy. It cultivates love wherever we may find ourselves. So how will we be challenged by this scripture today? Amen.